The title of this evening's uh, Dharma talk is Grasping While Meditating. I'm sure you've all had some experience of grasping and uh, I don't know if you meditate or not, but I'm sure you grasp. But if you do, if you do meditate, then probably while you're meditating, there's some kind of wanting this and not wanting that. So the not wanting something is also a form of grasping. Wanting something different, wanting something else. And so it's a, uh, even though this has been covered many times, I've talked about it countless numbers of times, that it is about when you're doing a shikantaza, just precisely this, it is about just that, just precisely that, not what you like about it, what you don't like about it, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. That area of uh, Uh, spontaneously reaching or grasping or pushing or shoving or manipulating or shutting down is uh, needs to be observed, not stopped, not wrestled with, not objected to, not agreed with. That being said, we we know that we can't stop that. That sometimes uh, we can we can't help but go ahead. So there seems to be a, an area in there where there's a where that if we put some tension on it, like I'm not going to, I'm going to keep this very simple. I'm going to sit down and I am going to endeavor to just receive what happens. We know that even if we do that, that because of um, dependent origination, because of the, of the deep nature of causes and conditions that are arising spontaneously from every direction in countless numbers, formations, connections, misconnections, chemistry of various kinds, you aren't going to be able to have too much to say about that. You aren't going to be able to control that. But you could possibly just receive that. You could possibly, as something is arising that is difficult or irritating or, or nauseating or challenging or, 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 you could possibly just Watch, just the leading edge of that. Just when we start to go from observing, we shut down and go into pushing on that. We go, we, we're observing, we're observing, and then at some point there, it comes to a, a certain frequency, a certain pitch, a certain um, kind of energy starts to move in such a way that we, instead of just observing, just being on that, uh, with that kind of attitude of just receiving that, Instead, we, there's a change, and there's barely even a, we barely even notice that. It just goes from observing to producing. It goes from receiving to production, production. And the production is about not wanting that. That's showing up, and we don't want that. So as soon as you see that, then, then that can be, become part of receiving. Just receive that you, you, you're going to push on that. Just receive that anytime you sit down, this particular topic, subject matter, grievance, irritation, fear arises, we start to move around. We start to feel some kind of uh, difficulty, some kind of warfare, some kind of pushing or pulling. Observe that. So there's no, there's no, when I say there's no mistakes, I'm saying you can't fail. I'm not saying you will feel like you're failing. But the fundamental situation is it's the path, and the path is difficult. So sometimes that, the area of that is going to show up in such a way that it, it's looking like 
the ego mind, the self-centered mind is using that as some kind of validation that it's failing, it's doing the wrong thing, it's not doing well. Or it's using, it's constantly looking for some kind of miniaturized or micro propaganda that validates this position or that position or this judgment or that judgment. <clears throat> it's not incorrect. It's the very nature of dependent origination is to appear as separation, to appear as something else, something else, something else. Now there's this, and here that comes, now this is coming. This is where we get the illusion of time passing. So in our individual practice, in your individual practice, You may, you may notice various kinds of, of um, I don't know if you'd say volume or energy or it, it, sometimes it seems more intense than others. Sometimes it seems like it's that particular area of your conflict or your difficulty is kind of backing off. And then what do we do? We immediately start to get a credential out of it. I think I'm getting better. I think, I think that's starting to go away. Do nothing with it. Anytime you do anything with add-on, subtract, divide, or try to draw some kind of a conclusion or draw some kind of a accomplishment out of that, then we, we drop down into what? The mundane path of getting ahead, what Trungpa Rinpoche called spiritual materialism, using spiritual techniques to try to get better, try to get ahead. It's not that we don't talk about that. It's not that we don't use those kind of dynamics because we have to say something. So we would say, um, drive all blames into one. We would say, use those kinds of slogans of the two, keep the principal witness and so on. And it seems to be necessary for each person on their own to train themselves. The teaching person, the teachings, everything's dependently arisen, and so on, on down to all the various provisional teachings. The monk talks, the, the uh, people uh, who will be talking this weekend um, will be talking about how to work with those dynamics also using the provisional teachings. We need something. So we have these references to help us uh, use the reference, use the provisional teachings, use the, the, the understanding of the concept of the three poisons to see the pushing, pulling, shutting down and see how that works so that you can work with that in what a skillful way. In other words, not too tight, not too loose, a little bit, a tight a little bit so that the, the bright edge of that conflict shows up but not so far that we go overboard and we're in a wrestling match with the very negativity we're trying to understand. It's interesting that it starts out as the emotion, the difficulty, the passion, aggression, and ignorance itself. Those are the areas we start with. And then we begin to uh, hear in the teachings that there's no one who's having a problem. There's no one who's 
really has an issue with anything. It doesn't mean there aren't issues. It just means that there's no one. How are you going to see that? I can tell you a way. I don't know if it's the only way. I haven't looked into 15 million other directions. But I know that if you look at the grasping without doing anything, if you look at the grasping without interpreting it, you look at the grasping as it's showing up mainly in the meditation practice, but also it will start to show up in post-meditation and it will show up even more uh, vividly if you don't have some kind of a post-meditation practice where you're trying to get better. I don't teach post-meditation practices unless a person is really having a great deal of difficulty in some aspect of their life, then something may be appropriate to um, look at or discuss that would be could be called post-meditation. <clears throat> Pardon me. So if you look at the way in which you're taking exception to that, the, the very subtle way in which something is arising, emotional, mental, chatter, whatever it may be, and notice Notice as I, I refer, uh, use the image, that, that bright shining edge of your objection. Here's the difficulty. And what is your job? Just look at it. That is not to ego mind, to self-centered mind, which is still in full operation and has tremendous fuel lines running from who knows where to keep the me feeling going. I, I'm good, I'm bad, I'm I'm getting ahead, I'm not getting ahead, I'll never, I'm never gonna do this, this is never gonna work, there I go again. Uh, I must be doing something wrong. Uh, I need to get another um, meditation teacher. I need to have another kind of practice. I need to do tantric practices. Or I need to do uh, shikantaza, but not taught the way this guy's teaching it. I mean, you can go, I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong. I'm saying this is what happens in the mind. I know. I've spent some time doing this. That's how I'm able to talk about it. Quite a bit of time. Interesting thing is by watching that and not, if you do something with it, you're caught in a loop and you'll circle. If you, if you ignore it, you'll tend to circle. There'll be circularity. If you fight with it, there's circularity. So that's why grasping while meditating. Do, don't do that. And how do we do that? We observe the way we spontaneous, spontaneously keep doing that and just look at it without fighting, without grasping the grasping. In other words, without trying to stop grasping. It's a difficult area because we're not talking about not picking up the kotsu, which is that's pretty simple. I can just not do that. But don't, as uh, the joke was in past times, at least when I was young, uh, uh, don't think about a, an elephant, you know, and you, that might be funny to you, but it might not be. But so that, that shows you that that particular area of the mind is extremely sensitive. The downside, extremely sensitive. It's so sensitive, you're pretty much screwed from, from having any say-so about what happens in the mind. If you had some say-so uh, about what's happening in mind, I could just say, 
Um, okay, here's my basic instruction. Be happy. Whew, I'm glad somebody finally told me. I'll just be happy. But the interesting thing is if you, if you actually watch the grasping, don't, don't go against it, don't agree with it, don't do anything, but if you can slowly train your mind to look at what is arising without accepting it, I mean that when I'm saying you should ask questions if you don't understand or if it's a little vague without rejecting it and without shutting away, turning away from it. Then if that, when that begins to be an actual state of your mind, uh, this is called meditation. This is called samadhi. And this is also, you actually, you actually are on the path to liberation because the next thing is going to show up is, is there anyone there? Is there any, anyone there that is on the path? Is there anyone there that is, is no longer plagued by their emotions? Is there anyone there that doesn't care what they think about? When I say doesn't care, I'm not talking about dismissiveness. I'm talking about somebody, someone whose who's insight, intelligence, and awareness is brilliant and shining, and it doesn't miss much at all because there is no agenda. So therefore the spaciousness or what is sometimes called in the, the fancy thing in the, uh, in the tradition is uh, the great panoramic awareness, maha vipassana, maha, great open dimension that doesn't miss much. Make a little movement there and it'll be seen. It won't be judged. It won't be given credit. It won't be gotten rid of. It won't be ignored. Why? find out why. If there's someone aware, then there's some going to be some ignoring. If there's someone uh, that's there, that is a, the person, the one, the consciousness that is aware, you have work to do. Awareness doesn't belong to anyone. There's no owner. So, so if you're evaluating the level of your awareness, um, that's the misunderstanding. <clears throat> so if you're watching this situation, if you're watching how you grasp and not particularly agreeing with it or disagreeing with it or manipulating it, you could say, and I've said before, and I'll say it again, it's like you don't care whether you grasp or not. You, you, you've, you've been grasping so long, you've been watching it so long, and you see that it's pretty much uh, impossible to stop doing that. That doesn't mean you suddenly agree with it and you cave and you say, there I go again, I can't help it. And you have a, a little uh, a statement of uh, your diagnosis. I'm, I just can't stop doing that. <clears throat> what does that do? That, that reifies, substantiates, and validates someone who can do something or someone who uh, has worked really hard and still can't, doesn't quite get it. So what seems to come about if you are able through your mind training over time to uh, be a minimalist and be extremely radical <clears throat> the way the consciousness is working and just see what arises and what falls away and what arises and what falls away and what arises and what falls away, what turns this way, turns that way, turns this way without any kind of personhood joining in with that or boarding that train. Let the train do whatever it wants to do. No passengers. 
no non-passengers. Then the nature of the awareness, uh, nature of the awareness is at some point, and just to say it very, um, um, paint a picture of it. Then the awareness seems, I'm painting a picture of it, it's not exactly like this. And for some people, this not, might not make any sense at all. The awareness turns to see who's, who's doing this, who is, who is there, who is no longer getting on trains. You won't find anyone. If you do, then perhaps I'm mistaken. But that's the area that needs to be done. We need to see what arises and what falls away, phenomena, <clears throat> and see the apparent singularity of, of various identities that seem so separate from each other, just like the thoughts seem to be separate from each other. But you can't find the front of a thought or the back of the thought or the middle of a thought, and yet we all have thoughts all the time. This is a real good example, the difference between a thought that arises and goes away and a human being that's born lives for um, 55, 60 years, 70 years, and passes away. Something arises, something has some kind of duration, so to speak, and then goes away. So observing the grasping, rather than trying to get rid of the grasping and not grasp, even though I might say, don't grasp, don't add, don't grasp, don't explain, don't subtract, don't divide, do, do, do as little as possible. When I say that, and if you, as a meditator, if you're a student of mine anyway, and you sit down and you begin to meditate, you'll notice how you, you can't do that. But without that instruction, without that, that uh, encouragement to, to not do that, the tension, the, the kind of tension that is needed to be able to see that dynamic won't necessarily show up. What might show up, uh, depending on what you're studying, you might be training your mind to be more calm, more, more peaceful, more calm, more stable, more, 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 more. Not interested. I'm not saying that through this practice you won't become more stable, um, but it's not a goal. What is the goal? See what's true. See what is fundamentally true yourself. You have questions, you're welcome. Jun Chu bowing. When endeavoring to see the grasping without doing anything with it, uh, it seems like as soon as I see that I'm not going to get a credential from not doing something with it, then the intention to just look at it disappears and I want to do something with it. Um, how can I keep looking at it when the ego that sees it doesn't actually want to see that? Well, just to be able to ask a question like, like that, just to be able to phrase it in that way, tells me you're doing exactly what you need to do. You're just not done enough, have not done it enough. So just keep going. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. You'll notice that if you keep doing that, it's never exactly the same. 
the idea that you're going to sit down, hold still, watch what moves. Uh, it doesn't always stay the same unless you somehow stabilize it because you don't want to see any deeper. You don't want to know it's getting a little bit too close to the, the heartbeat of the self-centeredness. So sometimes we, we like that circularity. <clears throat> Another question, if you have it, Junchu. Junchu Valley, is seeing that on the cushion different than seeing it off the cushion? Yes. Yeah. On the cushion, it's, uh, it's more stark and probably difficult to see what is happening. Uh, off the cushion, uh, usually there's so many stories attached to it that, it, that that's why meditation in action is, it, I'm not saying it's not workable or helpful in some ways, it can be. But when you get up off the cushion, I, my recommendation is just hang out. This doesn't mean let it rip and go and uh, party and jump up and down and yell at people. But, but relax, uh, relax in your situation. Look at the color shapes, the, the people, listen to people's voices. Listen to the tone of someone's voice rather than the words. When I say rather, I don't mean you shouldn't understand, of course, but if you're listening to the tone of their voice, you'll understand everything you need to know about, maybe even more because then you get all of the information that's coming from a person's form rather than just uh, the shape of concepts. It seems like on the cushion, uh, movement, any sort of movement um, takes me away from that. If I'm feeling restless, how do I um, how do I work with that, with the knowledge that I know I need to sit still to actually see it? <clears throat> uh, I would say get up and move. The way, the way you're describing it, I would say get up and move. Not immediately, but within, uh, within a minute to, or two of having that kind of an experience. Get up and move. You, it could be as little as just standing up and continuing to look at the wall. Or, or it could be uh, possibly doing some walking meditation. When I say walking meditation, I'm just talking about you don't have to don't have to do kin hin or the traditional kin hin. You can just walk around the room and then come back and sit back down. You could go you could go get a glass of water, go to the restroom or have some coffee or tea or something. So it's it's not like a break so much as it's uh, you're you're just not gonna push on yourself to stay there. So you might need to get up and look at the contrast between sitting there and getting up. That's why I, that's why we don't do timed walking meditation or we don't, we don't, I mean, other than starting the session and ending the session, we don't do much. If somebody needs to get up and go to the bathroom, they get to go. They don't have to wait till the, the gong rings. And if somebody needs to totally leave the Zendo, go do something else. They know what the form is. But I trust each person's uh, each person individually to their their intention is to be here and train their mind. So why would I why would I doubt that? Some people have body aches and pains that others don't have. Uh, 
I mean, I could go on and on about that, but each person is working with their mind in a particular combination of causes and conditions that the person right next to you may never even have any idea of what you're dealing with. You may never have any idea what they're dealing. They, theirs may be totally some kind of a, of a, a body situation and yours may be total mental kind of uh, uh, forms coming and going. It'd be so much different. So it's very, when I say train your mind, I'm not saying just do as I say somewhat, but I'm also saying do that and then trust your own. Uh, when I say trust, I'm saying don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, don't look away. Trust the space in which things occur. Space, uh, awareness, the awareness, not the form in the awareness, the form and the awareness is going to suck us into pushing, suck us into pulling. But if we just see forms arising in space, then ego doesn't like that because what if it's a bad form and comes and takes me out? Or what if it's a what if it's a really good form or really good situation and I miss it because I'm just looking at 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 it as form rather than what I think about the form. This is where the the word uh, prajna or the, that insight that transcends this and that starts to show up. Prajna paramita, the wisdom that is crossed over uh, between this and that <coughs> would be my way of saying it. I think I need more cream, so I tend to clear my throat even more. Sugar bowing. Yes, sir. What is being covered up when there's the commentary of uh, feeling like you're going to be taken out by strong emotion? What's what's being covered up is is uh, uh, is the non-existence of a self. You you, you don't. Because you're, you're actually a person, uh, the way you're describing it is actually with ideas, with fear, is covering up that vast openness that is uh, the very nature of wisdom. You're covering up your Buddha nature. Not just you, but anybody who would describe it that way. And it, it can be scary because it's, we don't really realize that we, we don't realize that we have a belief that we're a solid being. An unexamined belief it's just we just take for granted. <clears throat> I talk to people every day, and I can see it written all over them. That doesn't mean it's uh, that it's um, permanent or that that it can't be seen through. It can be seen through. It's just that most people don't see that. Good question. You have further about that? Let's go further into that. Shokobang, is there, is it, uh, is there a way to be taken out by that or to kind of go into what's behind the commentary? 
Yeah, I think just the persistence of looking at the commentary without trying to push the commentary away so you can see the wonderful space that's been hiding and without uh, adding to the commentary further commentary that elaborates or justifies why you have that commentary. It's just more passion, aggression, and ignorance, more cover-up, more, more uh, adding, um, more judging or subtracting, and, and more distraction or moving into some other situation. It's very hard to ignore too much while you're sitting, but it can be done. Good question. That's why the just being persistent. If you're persistent and you don't, uh, uh, you don't do much with it, but just observe it and try to see. As I sometimes say, see the texture of it because the texture has a personality to it and a feeling and a and a, a quality to it. But it doesn't necessarily support any kind of naming or judgment, uh, other than well, it just feels rough or it feels smooth or slippery, those kind of things show up without it being, you know, the word slippery doesn't mean evil. The word slippery doesn't mean good. The word slippery doesn't mean, it's just a, a quality of, uh, that has to do with the texture of something. So sometimes if you're moving, as you're seeing something and you're seeing the raw, raw rugged edges of that, if you can just, instead of backing out or covering up with your ideas or your judgment, well, this is happening because of that, or the way my mother treated me, or this is my karma, or uh, I have Mars square Saturn, or on and on and on. It's not that those causes, and not that you weren't treated with uh, some uh, unfairness. I'm not saying that's not happening. Uh, that's happening, uh, causes and conditions are everywhere. You're creating all kinds of structures that if you wanna go that direction, go ahead and you can lock people up for what they've done because there's the imputation that there's separate beings who are completely responsible uh, for everything. And it's not that there isn't responsibility, but it's not understood the way I talk about it. It is not about blame. It's not that there's no one person who's to blame for any one thing, even though it looks intensely like that's what's going on. That everything is dependently arisen, even the worst crime that's ever been committed and the most uh, saintly act that's ever of, uh, uh, humanitarian thing has ever been created by anyone, including what? Name anybody you want. The Buddha, for that matter. You have more questions about that? That's a good question. Let's, there's no rabbit holes, there's just rabbits. Let's go. Nothing's coming up at the moment. Okay, well, any other questions? Unio? So is there, so to yeah. just continue on Shoka's line of questioning, um, is there a practice off the cushion that we can put into play? <clears throat> I'm not saying there isn't. Uh, occasionally, it depends on what if someone's talking to me, I might give someone a, a practice off off the cushion to work with. There's a few of them that are kind of standard. Ninety ten is one of them. Uh, talk. If it's a relationship dynamic, shut up, stop talking, receive as much. Receive ninety percent of the time, 
time, talk 10, and it, usually it'll end up being 50-50 if you try to do that. Pretty hard to not in a relationship with somebody to just, because if you don't say much, then you'll start getting accused of being aloof or being, oh, you're, you're a meditator, so you're so much better than I am, and you're all, uh, you're all peaceful. You all know what I'm talking about. You're in a relationship with somebody, really, really difficult to, even though you would like to maintain your, your what, uh, sobriety, <laughs> instead of being intoxicated with your ideas and opinions and judgments. <clears throat> you would like to maintain that, but you can't. If you're drunk with ideas and opinions and judgments, if you're drunk with it, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to stagger, and people are going to notice that. But if you have that 90-10 uh, post-meditation rule or dynamic or protocol or algorithm or whatever other word you want to apply to it, uh, there may be some kind of uh, some kind of change in that area as far as relationship. You might at least be able to turn yourself into a student of that relationship instead of uh, uh, someone who's trying to control it or someone who's trying to squeeze some kind of peace out of it. You can't take dependent origination that comes from beginningless time until now and just turn it into peacefulness. If you do, it's going to blow up. I mean, not blow up in a negative way like, dynamite or something, but it causes and conditions will, if it's always a relative fix, then it has a, then it has a relative time when it stops working just because of the nature of dependent origination. So what do we need to do? Find out what is, what is fundamentally true. This is what the Buddha was talking about 2,500 years ago. There's no self in the skandhas. Everything's dependently arisen. There's no separate being anywhere nor is there a, a separate other anywhere. Realize it and you, you won't stop talking, you won't stop eating, sleeping, or taking walks, smiling at people, frowning at people. You won't stop any of that. That will still go on because it's dependently arisen. The body's gonna keep going. You might just not be such a nuisance to other people. Shoto bowing. Unless Unless you're a, a Dharma teacher, and then it's your job to be a nuisance. <clears throat> Go ahead, please. Shoto bowing. I feel like often when you talk about um, persistence, you might mention just return to the cushion, return to the practice. Um, is there a persistence that's not in relationship to a form? Where's the, where's the question coming from? I'd like to respond to it, but I'd like to hear, do you have some special thing that you're doing that you want to share with us? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <I bet No>. you. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, just of both what Shoka and Nuno are questioning. And it made me think of your response to Shoka's question is to be persistent and without adding some intentional awareness form, how, do, how can we be persistent off the cushion? I think that's going to show up different with, uh, not only with different people, but different situations. Um, 
so the, the main persistence when you're off the cushion is to get back to the cushion. Continue to train, continue to come back and sit. That's what these forms are about. Continue, continue to come back and study, regardless of whether you're, regardless of whether you seem to be getting anything from it or not. Just, just, this is why we have vows. It's why we have that for, for, for those of us who are weaklings like me who need the vow to be able to stay because it's just too easy to just veer off and go off into some other uh, kind of uh, realm. I'm thinking of the line, I think it's in Sandokai, the do not waste your time by night or day. And if, if returning, if returning to the cushion is what we should be doing, if we're not at the cushion, are we wasting our time when we're not practicing? No, as long as you're thinking about returning to the cushion. So it's just a form. So we can't, we can't sit there all of the time. Even in, in Tibet, they built these boxes so people had to sit and retreat and sit cross-legged and never go anywhere and sleep there and everything. And I think that's uh, overdoing it a little bit, quite a bit. But I'm not here to correct people in the, in the 12th century. Do whatever they needed to do back there in order. I mean, the, the lineage is still here. The, the teaching is still here. Um, so we need to work with it in a different way. This is a, you know, look at this kind of society or this sangha that we have. It's a, it's a pretty unusual. We're we're all connected together through a, a technology that that physically we're not in the same place, but for a while we're in the same uh, uh, space as far as communication and even even visually and so on. So it's a pretty strong uh, form. So keep return to the Buddha, return to the Dharma, return to the Sangha. As it says, when you receive Jukai, that's the way it's said at, at that time. Return to the Buddha, return to the Dharma, return to the Sangha, return to the teaching person, or that, that idea that there's someone that you, uh, the Buddha, of course, that you want to use as a model for sanity return to the Dharma, the truth that the Buddha taught, and return to the Sangha, or the community of people who are studying this uh, spiritual path. And so that's going to show up differently for everyone. Some, some people, I'm trying to get, I give an example without talking about people's personal lives. It's, as a, as a Dharma teacher, I endeavor to meet everyone where they're at. If someone can be, think of themselves as a very close student of mine, but yet they never contact me, I, I rarely hear from them. I don't really argue with that. I, I wonder about it, how they can do that, and I never hear from them, except once in a, what, what's the saying, the blue moon, once in a blue moon. And I, I can think of maybe, 10 people who do that in different ways. And then other people who are, who stay in touch quite a bit. But it's the, the right or wrong part. I, I trust those people, whoever they are, if they're students of mine and they think they consider themselves students and then I meet them where they're at. 
but it's all it's so much different with each person and, and even even coming here and training some people uh i have some people if they're having a lot of difficulty might say um well should i just should i receive jukai i said do you want to receive jukai not really i said well don't don't worry about it well would it help me if i did that i said i don't know what do you think but people already know what i feel about it. i think everybody should be monks you want my blanket statement everyone should you should spend the rest of your life training your mind so that when the body mind goes back into the dirt or into the flames that who you actually are you see you know who you are before that happens because when you're attached to the body mind uh then when that happens then then that they're not separate they're not separate from anything and so i'm not here to preach a hellfire and brimstone or something i'm just saying i have to meet people where they're at some people are ready to be here and be monks and some people are not so there's no propaganda out there so in your situation if you if you have something that you're doing in post meditation uh talk to me about it if you have uh, just like people ask like junchu's question is asking me something that tells me what's happening with their awareness and what am i saying just keep going keep doing that the, you can't ask a question like that unless you really have practiced and have looked at the at the way your mind is just unruly and will not mind that's awareness that's not failure that's awareness and it may not show up as uh relieving uh, uh your own distress or your own uh, existential angst or however you want to describe it but it it shows up on the path and it shows up differently for each person further questions about this or about anything else if you have them please Or we can just call it a night. Shokobang. I have a question about Kobin. Who's that? That's uh, your teacher, one of your teachers. Oh, my Zen master? Yes. Yes, please go ahead. Uh, recently, you were talking about or mentioned the scenario where he was listening to somebody and then got up and went into the bathroom and then crawl out the window yeah and what is it about colbin or that situation that makes that a teaching about the nature of mind Well, we make it into something because he is uh so people like to tell that story because it's because uh Coben was genuine. I mean, he was he was genuine. He was not pretending to be a, a dharma teacher. He was a dharma teacher, but he wasn't pretending. So he taught out of his understanding. He didn't he didn't show up as, "Oh, well, I need to teach this way. I need to teach that way." Somebody came and uh probably wasted his time. I mean, told him a bunch of things. Uh, I don't know what was happening with Coben, but he probably listened to the guy for a while and 
And he could have just gotten irritated with the whole thing. It's, it's hard to say since I wasn't, wasn't there and it's a story that's probably gone through several iterations before it shows up as that kind of a story. But then my situation with Coben was uh, had a had a similarity in that he, um, I'm not saying he wouldn't have talked to me, but he was watching me. He would watch how I would act. And so I knew that he could see, it took a while to look back in retrospect. It was just before he, uh, uh, he passed away that I started to get a kind of a clue of what that was about. And that was in uh, uh, 2001. Up until that time, I wasn't sure what that was about. When he was, uh, he wasn't jumping out the window. He didn't have to, he just wouldn't talk to me. Very similar. Because this guy had him trapped in a room and Coben didn't like to be trapped. So, yeah. Cloud Phoenix. So it was a, it's, it's a teaching in the sense that it's uh, as it goes on and as people tell that story, it's just uh, kind of an endearing or funny story about Coben. And for those that knew Coben, it, it seemed uh, appropriate. It's very hard to find him. It's very, if you were, even if you were with him, it wasn't like, it was like nobody was there. So I'm not talking about some fancy kind of, feeling it's just like that you couldn't you couldn't find the personality there whereas with me i'm hanging out all over the place he's not he was not maria bowing what directs the actions of the awakened awakened person bowing could you repeat that what directs the actions of the awakened person? What directs the action yes. of the awakened person? Uh, situations. Which could be show up as a, a student. It could be, it could show up as a flat tire. It could show up as a, as a, as a, as a crow making too much racket. I mean, it could show up as, it's just situational. A further question about that, if you have it. Maria Bowing, I'm just wondering whether uh, those actions are directed by the um, dependent origination, karma? Yes, they, they are. Yeah. Everything is dependently, everything is dependently arisen. So what about the moment when the, you, you mentioned when you were talking about uh, Trumpa that uh, he was, there was still karma working through him. Uh, when karma stops working through the awakened person, what will be then the, that force behind the actions? Bowing. It's just, it's karma. Which karma causes and conditions, but then the realization is in the midst of the karma and beyond the karma at the same time. Another, another, not, not two, not two. 
non-dual Advaita. It's just a way of talking about what looks like two different things are not two. If you realize it, the warfare is over. It's it's like from the point of, from the point of view of the teaching person, uh, there's the the teaching the teacher the teaching, and the students are not different things. It looks like it, <laughs> certainly looks like it, but it's not. That's why it says you uh, receive or observe a vow to be with all things, to save all beings. And part of that, uh, part of that vow is to realize that there are no beings to save. We have to start somewhere. So we start by seeing there's no one here. And then as we go along, we eventually begin to see there's no one there. But there's no conclusion. We don't conclude something. You might say we stop excluding everything. I'll take one last question if you have it. And if you don't have it, I'll give you one last answer. Teresa Bowen. Go ahead, Teresa. Thank you. You caught me. <laughs> um, earlier, when I was sitting, um, and you say to watch what moves and it felt like everything was frozen like nothing was moving and nothing was happening i what do i do with that it felt very uncomfortable and i it's like a anyway what what do i do with that bowing keep looking at it and when you look at it notice that what is moving is your your opinion about it what is moving is your conclusion about it being frozen. You actually, uh, what is happening there, it may be frozen, frozen may not be, but your conclusion about it, everything froze or everything is still. Nothing lasts. Uh, any conclusion or any, the frozen, if you just look at what is frozen, eventually it'll start to move again, especially if you don't care if it moves or it doesn't move. You don't care if it's frozen. Uh, the attitude, I don't talking about, I'm not talking about an artificial laissez-faire, uh, I don't give a damn kind of attitude. I'm saying that you actually look at it and you're, you have a, a willingness. This is part of a bodhicitta, the mind of awakening. You have a willingness to be with all things, even if it's a very relative thing of just a crap in your own mind. That you, ha you have a willingness, you're no longer, you no longer can be sold a bill of goods on anything and how to feel better. You're going to feel however you feel. That's how you feel. You can't, you can't save all beings if you're arguing, arguing with your own emotions and thoughts and everything and trying to be somebody different. He, as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said and said to me and said to many others, uh, students back in the 70s and 80s, be genuine. It took decades for me to understand what that meant. Be, be who you are. Be the very neurosis you're trying to get rid of. Be that. You'll find that there isn't anyone that has that. The neurosis will still be there, but it'll be transmuted. And when I say transmuted, I'm just not saying it turns into something else. 
Thank just you. observe. I mean, you're welcome, Teresa. Thanks for the question. Just come back next time you sit. See if it's exactly the same way. See if it's a, the exact frozen situation. And then give it a few months. <laughs> it won't last. It, not, nothing lasts. The very, the very, the four, the three uh, marks of existence: impermanence, suffering, and no self. And of course, the last one, or the fourth one, is uh, is uh, the holy life, the spiritual path. Those are the four. So we can do whatever people normally do in the monastery to make it look like something's concluding. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with life. 